Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we're going to read chapters 7 and 8. Now in the previous episode, we read chapters 5 and 6. Now, but before we get to the recap, I do want to sincerely apologize for uploading so late because I was preoccupied with some stuff earlier this week and therefore was unable to post earlier. I do hope that this episode will be able to make it up for you guys and that you will still be able to enjoy it uh, and that... Uh, again, I truly am sorry for this late upload. So, without further ado, let's move on to the recap. So, last episode, we read chapters 5 and 6, and we theorized that Nico may have to do with some something with Percy's memory loss, and we were right. Nico does know about Percy's memory loss, and that he... That's why he acted so unfamiliar with Percy when he first saw him. So when Hazel also finds out about this because they both, you know, spend some time together, he tells Hazel that, you know, everything needs to run in its course because if anything is affected with Percy's memory or in any way, sort, or form, it can heavily disrupt what is supposed to happen in the future. Because my theory is that, you know, Percy and Jason, they were sent to these opposite camps so that they can unite each of the camps together. Because when you have someone from the Roman camp in the Greek camp and someone from the Greek camp in the Roman camp, it might be, it might have a possibility of being able to reunite these people because right now they, they are enemies with each other. But when you have someone from the opposite camps and opposite, in the opposite places it might bring some other opinions to the camps so with this this is why nico believes that it's important for percy to run his course with his memory and everything and that nobody should interfere because if anything like that happens it could heavily disrupt what is going to happen in the future especially with the war with gaia which hopefully doesn't happen so with that we'll have to see what Nico, uh, if Nico is just going to leave it, or if he maybe surprisingly ever decides to ever get into a situation where it does disrupt Percy's memory, but that's, hopefully we'll find that out in this chapter, and then in chapter 6, we found out more about Hazel's past. Now, Hazel went through a very similar situation to Nico and Bianca. Basically, Hazel was also stuck in some kind of encapsulated time scenario where it made her stay the same age where she was ori- when she was originally from the time period of the 1940s, she still stayed the same age she was in 1941 to the 2000s, which made her like so similar to Nico and Bianca that maybe it was possible that Hades didn't really break his promise after all. And that maybe he wasn't, you know, part of those people that, you know, were punished for having kids after their promise. So with that, we also see who Hazel's mother is. Now, Hazel's mother is a fortune teller. So they oper- she operates out of their home and that she likes to use Hazel's gift, which is creating stones. Now, with this, Hazel is able to you know create stones and obviously they're very precious they're very beautiful and everything but they seem to be giving curses to people whoever have them so with this uh the business you know starts to go down and it makes you know hazel's mother mad and with this they plan to move and when hades 
Hazel's father, tries to reason with Hazel's mother, it just turns into this big argument, and we're left off of there, and we're not really sure on what happens to Sammy, or what happens to Hazel's, uh, how Hazel got stuck in a time-space encapsulated scenario. But hopefully in this chapter, we're able to get a little bit more detail on that, and a little bit more information on what happened to Hazel, and what exactly happened to Sammy. Was it only that Hazel was moving and that she would never see him again, or did Sammy get involved with this, uh, or this scenario between Hades, uh, and Hazel's mother and Hazel? So we'll read chapter 7 and 8 to see exactly more details about this and possibly about this entire situation. And without further ado, on with the show. On the way back, Hazel tripped over a gold bar. She should have not no, she'd have known not to run so fast, but she was afraid of being late for muster. The fifth cohort had the nicest centurions in camp. Still, even they would have to punish her if she was tardy. Roman punishments were harsh. Cleaning the bullpens, uh, scrubbing the streets with a toothbrush, cleaning the bullpens at the Col- Colosseum, getting sewn inside a sack full of angry weasels and dumped into a little Tiber. The options were not great. The gold bar popped out of the ground just in time for her foot to hit it. Nico tried to catch her, but she took a spill and scraped her hands. You okay? Nico knelt next to her and reached for the bar of gold. Don't! Hazel warned. Nico froze. Right. Sorry. It's just... Jeez, that thing is huge. He pulled a flask of nectar from his aviator jacket and poured a little on Hazel's hands. Immediately, the cuts started to heal. Can you stand? He helped her up. They both stared at the gold. It was the size of a bread loaf, stamped with a serial number and the words U.S. Treasury. Nico shook his head. How in Tartarus? I don't know, Hazel said miserably. It could have been buried there by robbers or dropped by a wagon a hundred years ago. Maybe it migrated from the nearest bank vault. Whatever's in the ground, anywhere close to me. It just pops up. And the more valuable it is, the more dangerous it is. Nico frowned. Should we cover it up if the fawns find it? Hazel imagined a mushroom cloud billowing up from the road. Charbroiled fawns tossed in every direction. It was too horrible to consider. It should sink back underground after I leave. Eventually. But just to be sure. She'd been practicing this trick, but never with something so heavy and dense. She pointed at the gold bar and tried to concentrate. The gold levitated. She channeled her anger, which wasn't hard. She hated that gold. She hated her curse. She hated thinking about her past and all the ways she'd failed. Her fingers tingled. The gold bar gold with glowed with heat. Nico gulped. Oh, Hazel, are you sure? She made a fist. The gold bent like putty. Hazel forced it to twist into a giant lumpy ring. Then she flicked her hand toward the ground. Her million dollar donut slammed into the earth. It sank so deep nothing was left but a scar of fresh dirt. Nico's eyes widened. That was... terrifying. Hazel didn't think it was so impressive compared to the powers of a guy who could reanimate skeletons and bring back people from the dead. But it felt good to surprise him for a change. Inside the camp, horns blew again. The cohorts would be starting roll call, and Hazel had no desire to be sewn into a sack of weasels. Hurry, she told Nico, and they ran for the gates. The first time Hazel had seen the Legion assemble, she'd been so intimidated she'd almost slunk back to the barracks to hide. Even after being at camp for nine months, she still found it an impressive sight. 
the first four cohort cohorts, each 40 kids strong, stood in rows in front of their barracks on either side of the Via Pretoria. The fifth cohorts assembled at the very end, in front of the Principia. And so, since their barracks were tucked in the back corner of camp next to the stables and latrines, Hazel had to run right down the middle of the legion to reach her place. The campers were dressed for war. Their polished chainmail and glue, glee, greaves gleamed over purple shirt, t-shirts, and jeans. Sword and skull designs decorated their helmets. Even their leather, leather combat boots looked ferocious with their iron cleats, great for marching through mud or stomping on faces. In front of the legionnaires, like a line of giant dom dominoes, stood their red and gold shields, each the size of a refrigerator door. Every legionnaire carried a harpoon-like spear, called a plium, a gladius, a dagger, and about a hundred pounds of other equipment. If you were out of shape when you came to the legion, you didn't stay that way for long. Just walking around in your armor was a full-body workout. Hazel and Knight Nico jogged down the street as everyone was coming to attention, so their entrance was really obvious. Their footsteps echoed on the stones. Hazel tried to avoid eye contact, but she caught Octavian at the head of the first cohort, smirking at her, looking smug in his plume centurion's helmet with a dozen medals pinned on his chest. Hazel was still seething from his blackmail threats earlier. Stupid auger and his gift of prophecy. Of all the people at camp to discover her secrets, why did it have to be him? She was sure he would have told her on uh, told on her weeks ago, except that he knew her secrets were worth more to him as leverage. She wished he kept a bar of gold so she could hit him in the face with it. She ran past Reyna, who was cantering back and forth on her Pegasus Scipio, nicknamed Skippy because he was the color of peanut butter. The metal dogs Aram and Argentum trotted at her side. Her purple officer's cape billowed behind her. Hazel Levesque, she called. So glad you could join us. Hazel knew better than to respond. She was missing most of her equipment, but she hurried to her place in line next to Frank and stood at attention. Their lead centurion, a big 17-year-old guy named Dakota, was just calling her name, the last one on the roll. Present, she squeaked. Thank the gods. Technically, she wasn't late. Nico joined Percy Jackson, who was standing off to one side with a couple of guards. Percy's hair was wet from the baths. He put on fresh clothes, but he still looked like uncomfortable. Hazel couldn't blame him. He was about to be introduced to 200 heavily armed kids. The layers were the last ones to fall in. Their purple forms flickered as they jockeyed for places. They had an annoying habit of standing halfway inside living people so that the ranks looked like a blurry photograph. The finally, but finally, the centurions got them sorted out. Octavian shouted, Colors! The standard beepers stepped forward, bearers stepped forward. They wore lion skin capes and hold, held poles decorated with each cohort's emblems. The last to present his standard was Jacob, the Legion's eagle bearer. He held a long pole with absolutely nothing on top. The job was supposed to be a big honor, but Jacob obviously hated it. Even though Reyna insisted on following tradition, every time the eagle's pole was raised, Hazel could feel embarrassment ripping through the, rippling through the legion. Reyna brought her pegasus to a halt. Romans, she announced. You've probably heard about the incursion today. Two gorgons were swept into the river by this newcomer, Percy Jackson. Juno herself guided him here and proclaimed him a son of Neptune. The kids in the back row craned their necks to see Percy. He raised his hand and said, Hi. He seeks to join the legion. Reyna continued. What do the auguries say? 
I have read the entrails, Octavian announced as if he killed a lion with his bare hands rather than ripping up a stuffed panda pillow. The auguries are favorable. He is qualified to serve. The campers gave a shout. Ave, hail! Frank was a little late with his ave, so it came out as a high-pitched echo. The other legionnaire snickered. Raina motioned the senior officers forward, one from each cohort. Octavian, as the most senior centurion, turned to Percy. Recruit, he asked. Do you have credentials, letters of reference? Hazel remembered this from her own uh, arrival. A lot of kids brought letters from older demigods in the outside world. Adults who were veterans of the camp. Some recruits had rich and famous sponsors. Some were third or fourth generation campers. A good letter could get you a position in the better cohorts. Sometimes even special jobs like Legion Messenger, which made you exempt from the grunt work like digging ditches or conjugating Latin verbs. Percy shifted. Letters? Um, no. Octavian wrinkled his nose. Unfair! Hazel wanted to shout. Percy had carried a goddess into camp. What better, better recommendation could you want? But Octavian's family had been sending kids to camp for over a century. He loved reminding recruits that they were less important than he was. No letters, Octavian said regretfully. Will any legionnaires stand for him? I will, Frank stepped forward. He saved my life. Immediately, there were shouts of protest from the other cohorts. Raina raised her hand for quiet and glared at Z- Frank. Frank Zang, she said. For the second time today, I remind you that you are in probatio. Your godly parent has not even claimed you yet. You're not eligible to stand for another camper until you've earned your first stripe. Frank looked like he might die of embarrassment. Hazel couldn't leave him hanging. She stepped out of line and said, What Frank means is that Percy saved both of our lives. I am a full member of the Legion. I will stand for Percy Jackson. Frank glanced at her gratefully, but the other campers started to mutter. Hazel was barely eligible. She gotten, she'd only gotten her stripe a few weeks ago, and the act of valor that earned it for her had mostly been an accident. Besides, she was a daughter of Pluto and a member of the disgraced 5th cohort. She wasn't doing Percy much of a favor by giving him her support. Raina wrinkled her nose, but she turned to Octavian. The auger smiled and shrugged like the idea amused him. Why not? Hazel thought. Putting Percy in the fifth would make him, make him less of a threat, and Octavian liked to keep all of his enemies in one place. Very well, Reyna announced. Hazel Levesque, you may stand for the recruit. Does your cohort accept him? The other cohorts started coughing, trying not to laugh. Hazel knew what they were thinking. Another loser for the fifth. Frank pounded his shield against the ground. The other members of the fifth followed his lead, though they didn't seem very excited. Their centurions, Dakota and Gwen, exchanged pain looks, like, here we go again. My cohort has spoken, Dakota said. We accept the recruit. Raina looked at Percy with pity. Congratulations, Percy Jackson. You stand on probatio. You will be given a tablet with your name and cohort. In one year's time or as soon as you complete an act of valor, you will become a full member of the 12th Legion Fulminata. Serve Rome, obey the rules of the Legion, and defend the camp with honor. Senatus Populus Romanus. The rest of the legion echoed the cheer. Reyna wheeled her pegasus away from Percy like she was glad to be done with him. Skippy spread his beautiful wings. Hazel couldn't help feeling a pang of envy. She'd give anything for a horse like that, but it would never happen. Horses were for officers only, or barbarian cavalry, not for Roman legionnaires. 
Centurions, Brina said. You and your troops have one hour for dinner. Then we will meet on the field of Mars. The first and second cohorts will defend. The third, fourth, and fifth will attack. Good fortune. A bigger cheer went up for the war games and for dinner. The cohorts broke ranks and ran for the mess hall. Hazel waved at Percy, who made his way through the crowd with Nico at his side. To Hazel's surprise, Nico was beaming at her. Good job, sis, he said. I took guts, standing for him. He never called her sis before. She wondered if that was what he called Bianca. One of the guards had given Percy his probatio nameplate. Percy strung it on his leather necklace with the strange beads. Thanks, Hazel, he said. Um, what exactly does it mean? You're standing for me? I guarantee your good behavior, Hazel explained. I teach you the rules, answer your questions, make sure you don't disgrace the Legion. And if I do something wrong, then I get killed along with you, Hazel said. Hungry? Let's eat. And that's the end of chapter 7. I'm really proud of Hazel. Yeah, I think I do agree with Nico there. And that Hazel really did a really courageous act by allowing Percy to join her legion or her cohort. Which really took some guts because, you know, not everyone knows who Percy is. And Percy's kind of the new kid, so nobody knows what exactly his skill was. And even though it was a valid point that, you know, Juno or Hera brought Percy into the camp and that should be considered a recommendation letter it still was unfortunately not considered one because it wasn't a like a legible letter but I'm still glad that I that Percy was accepted into Hazel's cohort and I feel like even though they might be the underdogs they will I feel like in this battle they will come out as the strongest especially with Percy as their side at, uh, at their side because Percy is a pretty strong contender with everyone else combined they will definitely make a powerful force during the games so after the break we will read chapter eight and we'll see how this exactly this war goes i'm rooting for the underdogs and hopefully they will win this battle and hopefully change the minds of some of the people around camp and their opinions about the fifth cohort so after this break we'll read chapter eight hazel And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read Chapter 8, Hazel. At least the camp food was good. Invisible wind spirits, array, waited on the campers and seemed to know exactly what everyone wanted. They blew plates and cups around so quickly, the mess hall looked like a delicious hurricane. If you got up too fast, you were likely to get beaned by beans or potted by a pot roast. Hazel got shrimp gumbo, her favorite comfort food. It made her think about being a little girl in New Orleans, before her curse set in and her mom got so bitter. Percy got a cheeseburger and a strange-looking soda that was bright blue. Hazel didn't understand that, but Percy tried it and grinned. This makes me happy, he said. I don't know why, but it does. Just for a moment, one of the RA became visible. An elfin girl in a white silk dress. She giggled as she topped off Percy's glass, then disappeared in a gust. The mess hall seemed especially noisy tonight. Laughter echoed off the walls, war, war banners rustled from cedar ceiling beams as array blew back and forth, keeping everyone's plates full. The campers dined Roman style, sitting on couches around low tables. Kids were constantly getting up and trading places, spreading rumors about who liked whom and all the other gossip. As usual, the fifth cohort took the place of least honor. Their tables were at the back of the dining hall next to the kitchen. Hazel's table was always the least crowded. 
Tonight, it was she and Frank, as usual, with Percy and Nico and their centurion, Dakota, who sat there. Hazel figured, because he felt obligated to welcome the new recruit. Dakota reclined glumly on his couch, mixing sugar into his drink and chugging it. He was a beefy guy with curly, curly black hair and eyes that quite didn't, that didn't quite line up straight. So Hazel felt like the world was leaning whenever she looked at him. It wasn't a good sign that he was drinking so much early in the night. So, he burped, waving his goblet. Welcome to the Percy party, he frowned. Party, Percy, whatever. Um, thanks, Percy said, but his attention was focused on Nico. I was wondering if we could talk, you know, about where I might have seen you before. Sure, Nico said a little too quickly. The thing is, I spend most of my time in the underworld, so unless I met you there somehow... Dakota belched. Ambassador from Pluto, they call him. Reyna's never sure what to do with this guy when he visits. You should have seen her face when he showed up with Hazel, asking Reyna to take her in. Um, no offense. None taken. Nico seemed relieved to change the topic. Dakota was really helpful, standing for Hazel. Dakota blushed. Yeah, well, she seemed like a good kid. Turned out I was right. Last month when she saved me from... Uh, you know who. Oh, man! Frank looked up from his fish and chips. Percy, you should have seen her! That's how Hazel got her stripe. The unicorns decided to stampede. It was nothing. Hazel said, Nothing? Frank protested. Dakota would have gotten trampled. You stood right in front of them. Chewed them away. He saved his hide. I've never seen anything like it. Hazel bit her lip. She didn't like to talk about it, and she felt uncomfortable the way Frank made her sound like a hero. In truth, she had been mostly afraid that the unicorns would hurt themselves in their panic. Their horns were precious metal, silver and gold, so she'd managed to turn them aside simply by concentrating, steering the animals by their horns, and guiding them back to the stables. It got her a full place in the Legion, but it also started rumors about her strange powers. Rumors that reminded her of the bad old days. Percy studied her. Those sea-green eyes made her unsettled. Did you and Nico grow up together? He asked. No, Nico answered for her. I found out that Hazel was my sister only recently. She's from New Orleans. That was true, of course, but not the whole truth. Nico let people think he'd stumbled upon her in modern New Orleans and brought her to camp. It was easier than telling the real story. Hazel had tried to pass herself off as a more modern kid. It wasn't easy, thankfully. The demigods didn't use a lot of technology at camp. Their powers tended to make electronic gadgets go haywire. But the first time she went on fur furlough to Berkeley, she had nearly had a stroke. Televisions, computers, iPods, the internet. It made her glad to get back to the world of ghosts, unicorns, and gods. That seemed much less of a fantasy than the 21st century. Nico was still talking about the children of Pluto. They're aren't many of us, he said, so we have to stick together. When I found Hazel, you have other sisters? Percy asked, almost as if he knew the answer. Hazel wondered again when he and Nico had met, and what her brother was hiding. One, Nico admitted, but she died. I saw her spirit a few times in the underworld, except that the last time I went down there to bring her back, Hazel thought, though Nico didn't say that. She was gone. Nico's voice turned hoarse. She used to be in Elysium, like the underworld paradise, but she chose to be reborn into a new life. Now I'll never see her again. I was just lucky to find Hazel in New Orleans, I mean. Dakota grunted. 
Unless you believe the rumors, not saying I do. Rumors? Percy asked. From across the room, Don the Fawn yelled, Hazel! Hazel had never been so glad to see the Fawn. He wasn't allowed in camp, but of course he always managed to get in. He, worked, he, he was working his way toward their table, grinning at everyone, sneaking food off plates and pointing at campers. Hey, call me. A flying pizza smacked him in the head and he disappeared behind a couch. Then he popped up, still grinning, and made his way over. My favorite girl. He smiled like a wet goat wrapped in old cheese. He leaned over their couches and checked out their food. Say, new kid, you gonna eat that? Percy frowned. Aren't Fawn's vegetarian? Not the cheeseburger, man, the plate. He sniffed Percy's hair. Hey, what's that smell? Dawn, Hazel said. Don't be rude. No, man, I just... Their house god, Vitalius, shimmered into existence, standing half-embedded in Frank's couch. Fawn's in the dining hall. What are we coming to? Centurion Dakota, do your duty. I am, Dakota grumbled into his goblet. I'm having dinner. Don was still sniffing around Percy. Man, you got an empathy link with a fawn? Percy leaned away from him. A what? An empathy link. It's real faint, like some body suppressed it, but... I know what. Nico stood suddenly. Hazel, how about we give you and Frank time to get Percy oriented? Dakota and I can visit the Praetor's table. Don and Vitalius, you can come too. We can discuss strategies for the war games. Strategies for losing? Dakota muttered. Death boy's right, Vitalius said. This legion fights worse than we did in Judea, and that was the first time we lost our eagle. Why, if I were in charge. Could I just eat the silverware first? Don asked. Let's go. Nico stood and grabbed Don and Vitalius by the ears. Nobody but Nico could actually touch the layers. Vitalius spluttered with outrage as he was dragged off to the Praetor's table. Ow! Don protested. Man, watch the fro! Come on, Dakota. Nico called over his shoulder. The centurion got up reluctantly. He wiped his mouth uselessly, since it was permanently stained red. Back soon. He shook all over, like a dog trying to get dry. Then he staggered away, his goblet sloshing. What was that about? Percy asked. And what's wrong with Dakota? Frank sighed. He's okay. He's a son of Bacchus, the wine god. He's got a drinking problem. Percy's eyes widened. You let him drink wine? Gods, no, Hazel said. That would be a disaster. He's addicted to red Kool-Aid, drinks it with three times the normal sugar. And he's already ADHD, you know, attention deficient, hyperactive. One of these days, his head is going to explode. Percy looked over at the Praetor's table. Most of the senior officers were in deep conversation with Reyna. Nico and his two captives, Don and Vitalius, stood on the periphery, uh, uh, periphery. Dakota was running back and forth along a line of stacked shields, banging his goblet on them like they were xylophone. ADHD, Percy said. You don't say. Hazel tried not to laugh. Well, most demigods are, or dyslexic. Just being a demigod means that your, our brains are wired differently. Like you. You said you had trouble reading. Are you guys that way too? Percy asked. I don't know, Hazel said. Maybe. Back in my day, they just called kids like us ladies lazy. Percy frowned. Back in your day? Hazel crushed herself. Luckily for her, Frank spoke up. I wish I was ADHD or dyslexic. All I got is lactose intolerance. Percy grinned. Seriously? Frank might have been the silliest demigod ever, but Hazel thought he was cute when he, was, when he pouted. His shoulders slumped. 
And I love ice cream, too. Percy laughed. Basil couldn't help joining in. It was good to sit at dinner and actually feel like she was among friends. Okay, so tell me, Percy said. Why is it bad to be in the fifth cohort? cohort? You guys are great. The compliment made Hazel's toes tingle. It's complicated. Aside from being Pluto's kid, I want to ride horses. So that's why you used a cavalry sword? She nodded. It's stupid, I guess. Wishful thinking. There's only one Pegasus at camp. Brainas. The unicorns are just kept for medicine, because the shavings off their horns cure poison and stuff. Anyway, Roman fighting is always done on foot. Cavalry. They kind of look down on that. So they look down on me. Their loss, Percy said. What about you, Frank? Archery, he muttered. They don't like that either, unless you're a child of Apollo. Then you've got an excuse. I hope my dad is Apollo, but I don't know. I can't do poetry very well, and I'm not sure I want to be related to Octavian. Can't blame you, Percy said, but you're excellent with the bow. The way you peg those gorgons? Forget what other people think. Frank's face turned as red as Dakota's cool will aid. Wish I could. They all think I should be a sword fighter because I'm big and bulky. He looked down at his body like he couldn't quite believe it was his. They say I'm too stocky for an archer. Maybe if my dad would ever claim me. They ate in silence for a few minutes. A dad who wouldn't claim you. Hazel knew that feeling. She sensed Percy could relate too. You asked about the fifth, she said at last. Why it's the worst cohort. That actually started way before us. She pointed to the back wall, where the Legion's standard were on display. See the empty pole in the middle? The eagle, Percy said. Hazel was stunned. How'd you know? Percy shrugged. Vitalius was talking about how the Legion lost its eagle a long time ago. The first time, he said. He acted like it was a huge disgrace. I'm guessing that's what's missing. And from the way you and Reyna were talking earlier, I'm guessing your eagle got lost a second time, more recently, and it had to do something with the fifth cohort. Hazel made a mental note not to underestimate Percy again. When he first arrived, she thought he was a little goofy from the questions he asked about the Feast of Tuna and all, but clearly he was smarter than he let on. You're right, she said. That's exactly what happened. So what is this eagle anyway? Why is it a big deal? Frank looked around to make sure no one was eavesdropping. It's the symbol of the whole camp, a big eagle made of gold. It's supposed to protect us in battle and make our enemies afraid. Each legion's eagle gave it all sorts of power, and ours came from Jupiter himself. Supposedly, Julius Caesar nicknamed our legion Fulminata, armed with lightning, because of what the eagle could do. I don't like lightning, Percy said. Yeah, well, Hazel said, it didn't make us invincible. The twelfth lost its eagle the first time way back in the ancient days, during the Jewish rebellion. I think I saw a movie like that, Percy said. Hazel shrugged. Could be. There have been lots of books and movies about legions losing their eagles. Unfortunately, it happened quite a few times. The eagle was so important. Well, archaeologists have never recovered a single eagle from ancient Rome. Each legion guarded theirs to this to the last man, because it was charged with power from the gods. They'd rather hide it or melt it down than surround it or surrender it to an enemy. The twelfth was lucky the first time. We got our eagle back. But the second time? You guys were there? Percy asked. They both shook their heads. I'm almost as new as you. Frank tapped his probatio plate. Just got here last month, but everyone's heard this story. It's bad luck to even talk about this. 
There was huge expedition to Alaska back in the 80s. The prophecy you noticed in the temple, Hazel continued, the one about the seven demigods and the doors of death. Our senior praetor at the time was Michael Varus from the fifth cohort. Back then, the fifth was the best in the camp. He thought it would bring glory to the legion if he could figure out the prophecy and make it come true. Save the world from storm and fire and all that. He talked to the auger, and the auger said the answer was in Alaska, but he warned Michael it wasn't time yet. The prophecy wasn't for him. But he went anyway, Percy guessed. What happened? Frank lowered his voice. Long, gruesome story. Almost the entire fifth cohort was wiped out. Most of Legion's Imperial gold weapons were lost, along with the eagle. The survivors went crazy or refused to talk about what had attacked them. I know, Hazel thought solemnly, but she kept silent. Since the eagle was lost, Frank continued, the camp has been getting weaker. Quests are more dangerous. Monsters attack the borders more often. Morale is low. The last month or so, things have been getting much worse, much faster. And the fifth cohort took the blame. Percy guessed, so now everyone thinks we're cursed. Hazel realized her gumball was cold. She sipped a spoonful, but the comfort food didn't taste very comforting. We've been the outcasts of the Legion since, well, since the Alaska disaster. Our reputation got better when Jason became Praetor. The kid who's missing? Percy asked. Yeah, Frank said. I never met him before my time, but I hear was a good leader. He practically grew up in the fifth cohort. He didn't care what people thought about us. He started to rebuild our reputation. Then he disappeared. Which put us back at square one, Hazel said bitterly. Made us all look to cursed all over again. I'm sorry, Percy. Now you know what you've gotten yourself into. Percy sipped his blue soda and gazed thoughtfully across the dining hall. I don't even know where I come from. But I've got a feeling this isn't the first time I've been an underdog. He focused on Hazel and managed to smile. Besides, joining the Legion is better than being chased through the wilderness by monsters. I've got myself some new friends. Maybe together we can turn things around for the new fifth cohort, huh? A horn blew at the end of the hall. The officers at the Praetor's table got to their feet. Even Dakota, his mouth vampire red from Kool-Aid. The games begin, Raina announced. The campers cheered and rushed to collect their equipment from the stacks along the walls. So where the attacking team? Percy asked over the noise. Is that good? Hazel shrugged. Good news? We get the elephant. Bad news? Let me guess, said Percy. The fifth cohort always loses. Frank slapped Percy on the shoulder. I love this guy. Come on, new friend. Let's go chalk up my 13th defeat in a row. And that's the end of chapter 8. So now we kind of got some more background knowledge on why exactly this specific group is the underdog and how it came to that situation. Now, about this eagle, my theory is that this eagle is kind of like the golden fleece of the Roman camp. However, there's there's multiple of them. So when one of them is gone, it does affect uh, both the specific group and the entire camp. Just like how when Talia's tree was slowly wearing down, it started affecting the entire camp and more monsters were coming at the border and were able to get inside. So with that, with losing the eagle on this trip to Alaska, it started affecting the camp more and this led to the blame on the fifth cohort. However, if they're able to get this back safely, of course, 
this is this would be able to get their reputation back and with the return of Jason possibly once he regains his memories and Percy regains his memories as well we're able to see this return and maybe the reputation of the fifth cohort coming back once again and with that until next week we're gonna have to see how exactly these games go and yeah this was a really really exciting chapter to see we got to learn a lot about the background and and history behind a lot of this of why exactly this is happening and with that we're able to get a lot more context on what is what can we think of what is going to happen next in the future chapters so next week we're going to start reading 9 through 10 and see exactly how this battle goes and hopefully they win for the first time because they have hopefully percy is able to help them and they're all able to team up and use their strength for you know and make them all one of the most pow- more powerful and finally prove their worth as you know to the entire camp so next week we'll read chapters 9 and 10 and until that week stay safe and stay out of boredom